This is our, our last message on the series that I've called Priority. Uh, next week we will begin a series for several weeks in the book of Romans. And we won't go uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse through Romans. Uh, at my rate, that could take me like three or four years. Uh, but So we're going to dig into it and some themes and catch uh, really the gospel that's being proclaimed in the, in the book of Romans. And I'm excited about looking at uh, the many dimensions that come out of that letter. And it's a monumental letter. It's perhaps the most influential letter in all of the world, uh, the book of Romans. So I'm excited about that. But I want to wrap up this series uh, because I think it's important. And important for us to remember what our priority is. And that we have uh, maybe heaped up on, onto our lives a lot of different priorities and we have felt comfortable living in a world of multitasking and having a lot of different sort of things that are important importance to us, but really coming back and circling back to what is the central most important thing in our life. And there's a question that I want to ask, but it's not one that I really want to ask like uh, because it really kind of makes us uncomfortable. And that is, if you had the unfortunate event, like I don't even like using it but because it, it makes us so uneasy, um, but I'm going to ask it anyways. In the unlikely event that you had a fire in your house, what would you grab? What would you grab? And, um, you know, I'd be sure to get my phone so I could check Facebook. But, uh, you know... That's a terrible joke, and I would call 911. That's why I grabbed my phone. Um, but I would get my children. What would be the most important things? And it's such an uncomfortable thing, and people who have experienced that. My dad, his house burned down when he was a young kid, and he said that's the worst thing that can happen because for several years, even 20 years later, you'd be like, where is this? And you'd be reminded, oh, we lost it in, in, in the fire. And so I don't like asking that question, and with all those caveats aside, it does get at the root thing of what is the very most important thing in our life. And it would be our family. It would maybe be albums, picture albums. We think about what are those things that we want to cling to? What is the very most important? And this series has been asking that question. What is the very most important thing to us? And we've looked at several people uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament who have God as their central focus and priority. I reread Psalm 27 this morning just to remind ourselves of what David's heart looked like. He said, the whole world could be topsy-turvy. Everything, my enemies could be bearing down on me, but I know this, even my friends and my family, they might abandon me, but I'm going to seek the one thing that I know will not turn from me. I'm going to seek the one thing that I know will protect me and lift my head up. I know the one thing that's sure and I can rely on is that I can seek the face of the Lord and have my life in him, that he will care for me. And so it's this re reminder to us, uh, the first message, the reminder that the world is unreliable. Even our friends and our family are unreliable. Even money and all of the things that we sort of put our trust in, it's all unreliable. But the one who is true, the one who is good, that is what David is seeking. And he calls us in his prayer. It's an invitation for us to share in that same prayer, to seek the face and seek the presence of God. 
the next week we went and we looked at Mary and Martha in that famous passage where Martha's working hard, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's, you know, plugging away in the kitchen, and she's saying, you know, why is Mary over there sitting at the feet of Jesus? And Jesus says to her, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, and Mary is concerned with one. And there's only one thing that we should be concerned about, one thing that we should seek with our lives, one thing. And she's chosen the very best thing, and that is to sit and listen and hear and rest at the feet of Jesus, her Lord. And so it's this reminder to us, what is the priority of our lives? It's to seek the face of God. It's to rest at the feet of Jesus, to learn from him and walk with him that we can concern ourselves with so many things, of making sure our house is presentable, making sure that we have all our ducks in a row, making sure that we are busy with providing, busy with protecting, busy with all of the things that we get so flustered with. And Martha's in the kitchen saying, hey, we're not doing a good job here, Mary. And Mary, she throws off the shackles of a busy, hurried, crazy culture with so many expectations. And she says, the one expectation that I have on my life is that I would rest at the feet of Jesus and I have a place at his feet and I belong there. I belong there. The priority of Mary's heart is that she would rest at the feet of Jesus. And then we looked at Paul. And Paul, you know, I, if we were to look at a sort of character study or a story of a person, Paul Saul is one of those exciting people who has lived, lived, it seems like he lived like 20 lives. I mean, if you put all the stories together and shipwreck and imprisonment and what he lived before as a persecutor of Christians, and, and we looked at Philippians uh, 3 and 4, and we looked at his heart and his desire. And it was Jesus Christ. He said, he's the mission, he's the focus, he's my, he is my reward, he is my hope, he's my salvation. I am just going to keep running for Jesus Christ. He is the priority of my life, my heart's desire, and I want to be with him, and I want you to come with me. And that's Paul's heart. It's like Paul's, every letter of Paul is like, hey, greetings, grace to you. I love you. I can't wait to be with you. Here's how you are really doing a terrible job, but I'm sending Timothy, and he's going to straighten you out, and let's make sure that we love Jesus with all our heart. Let's get our focus back on him. I just summed up all of Romans. We don't need to do the series now. Right, but it's this heart that beats. Is there any question what the priority of Paul, what the priority of Mary, what the priority of David is? It's Jesus. It's the Lord God. There is a, there's a fun story that in my research of Mark 12 that I came across. And it was this conversation. There were other rabbis. We sometimes forget that, like, the Jewish faith, faith was, you know, ongoing in the midst of Jesus. They had other rabbis other than Jesus. And just before Jesus it comes onto the scene, there were a couple of famous rabbis, and one of them was named Hillel, H-I-L-L-E-L, and he was a first century rabbi, and he was asked a question by a non-Jew, and the non-Jew came up to him, and he said, okay, I'm going to stand on one leg, and I want you to tell me all of your law, and so this Jewish, or this non-Jewish man said, 
Would you please explain to me? I'm going to see how long I can stay, all right? Would you please explain to me all of this while I stand on one leg? Would you like to hear what Hillel said? Okay, this is what Hillel said. Find out, discover what you would hate done to you, and don't do it to your neighbor. This sums up the whole of the Torah, and the rest is just commentary. So he says, what would you hate done to you, and don't do it to anyone else? I got it. Is there anything that you could explain? You know, doesn't that sort of resonate a little bit with what what Jesus will say? And so it, it has me thinking about this question. Now, they don't do it, and they don't present it this way, but I feel like Jesus is being asked, in a way, would you sum up for us what the most important thing is? If I were to ask you, you know, uh, Rich, would you please explain to me on one leg the ins and outs of, uh, of farming and raising up cattle? Would you, would you be able to go through all of your routine? You probably could nail it pretty quick and succinctly. Dan, would you please explain to me what it is you do standing on one leg? Mason, would you like to explain the intricacies of Second Mile Missions and all of its uh, webs and everything going on while standing on one leg? It's quite the task, but you have to start thinking through what is the most important thing. And maybe we wrestle with the, I don't know what I would do in the midst of the fire. Like, I don't like that question. But maybe if we just simplify it into this way. If you just had 30 seconds, you had an elevator ride to explain what the most important thing is in your life. If you could explain the intricacies of all of it. And Halil, he, he just tries to say, well, if you hated it done to you, don't do it to anybody else, and the rest is commentary, and that sums up the whole law. Okay, let's go with that. But what is it that Jesus would say? What is it that Jesus would say of all of the law, of everything that's most important? Jesus, I want to know what the most important thing is. And there's a word there that is asked of Jesus, that they're saying, what is the most excellent, what is the thing that exceeds all else, what is the number one priority? Jesus is being asked the question that this series has asked of us. What is the very most important thing? Of all of the law, of all that you know, Jesus, everything that you know, tell us on one leg. He says it's this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Friends, we know how this scripture goes, but I want to sit right here. What is, what is sure and true for what Jesus knows? There is only one. There's only one Lord. There's one, only one creator of heaven and earth. There's only one who leads us and cares for us. There is only one God. And friends, I want to sit there for a moment because I think it's really important because it instructs us the rest of our lives that if we firmly grasp that there is one God, one Lord, one creator of us all in whose image we are created, that everything pours out of that truth. And you start considering then all of the priorities that sort of stockpile on us because we start competing with all sorts of gods in our lives. 
We, we struggle with the God of money. We struggle with the God of sex. We struggle with the God of pleasure. We struggle with the gods of material things. We struggle with competing gods who make us think that we ourselves are gods. We struggle with realizing and remembering and honoring that there is one Lord in which we are all created in whom we belong. And every day, morning and night, Israel, uh, Israelites, Jewish people, they would wake up in the morning and they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They would center their lives on this truth because it would guide the rest of their days. And as we consider our lives, as we consider our daily routines, as we consider our priorities, are we saying to ourselves, There is one Lord? Or is there competition? Is there competition in your life for the love of God? My kids keep getting in the way. I mean, I'm just going to, their schedules, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to, no, I love them dearly. I, I love them. I love them. Yeah. Um, right, we have competition in every step of our life. Every step of our life, we feel like there are things that sort of are competing and bearing down on our walk with God. How easy has it been for you to pray? To stay focused in prayer and center your life on Him. How easy has it been for you to give and give generously and care for and meet the needs of people in your life? How, has there been a sense of, well, I don't know that I can trust God in all of this? I think the central focus of Jesus' life was that there is one Lord and one God and he's given his whole life to him. And there is no doubt in Mary, there's no doubt in David, and there's no doubt in Paul, and there's certainly no doubt in Jesus that the centrality of his hope, the centrality of his trust, his allegiance and devotion is to the Lord God only. And when I look at my life, when I look at my life, not pointing fingers when I look at me, Jordan loves a lot of things. I might spend the rest of the time in third person. How does that make you feel? Right. And as I bear my heart and my soul to God, and I look at the things that are competing, and I say, God, there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of sense that I should be entitled to a lot of different things, and I should have more, and I should get what I want. Does that resonate with you? So Jesus, Jesus saying to us, this one central truth is that there's one Lord, and he's the central focus. He says, then, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And because of that, we love him. We love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And friends, I invite you to make that your prayer life and just saying, God, let my mind be fixed on you and love you through and through. Let my knowledge grow of you. May my eyes be transfixed on you. May I see your beauty. May I seek your face. May I long to be in your presence. 
May I rest at your feet as Mary did. May I pursue you, Lord, as Paul walked with you and ran with you and was imprisoned for you, glorified you in all circumstances. May that be my love for you. May I love you in those ways. Let me love you like that, God. Love you with every ounce of strength, every bit of a part of me. May I love you. And worship you, glorify you, seek you, praise you, pray with you, rest in you, walk with you, run with you. May all that I do, everything that I am, center on you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. In a way, he sort of adopts what Hillel was teaching, but what he's teaching is Leviticus 19.18. And he combines, and I, there's been lots of research, but Jesus is, we believe, by we, I mean really smart people that I read about, they say, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema, and Leviticus 19.18, this is the first time they've ever been combined by a rabbi, simplifying everything, boiling it all down, and he says, this is it. You want to know the matter of the greatest excellence, the most importance? You want to hear the priority? We know there's one God, and we love him with all that we are, and we love everyone because of it. And this is the simplest truth and this most radical thing that we try to live out, and that is, is that we love others to show our love for God, and by our love for God, we love others. And the two come together. God, he exercises this in a moment with Peter. We know Peter, just a second. Sorry. We know Peter uh, had turned his back on Jesus, he denied knowing him and that famous sort of ordeal. And then in Jesus' reconciliation and restoration of Peter, he has a conversation. What does the conversation entail? Conversation is, do you love me? Peter, do you love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love me with all that you are? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, I really love you. And what does Jesus instruct him to do? Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Jesus is teaching Peter, if you're going to love me, and I know that you do, I want you to care for the church. I want you to care for my people. I want you to care for everyone. We love because Christ first loved us. That's what John teaches us. Over and over again in the scriptures, I think there is this message. That we love God. And the way we love God is to love others. The way we love others is the way we love God. And so it's this challenge and this reminder. And so if I were to be asked the question, Jordan, what do you want written on your tombstone? I was posed this question, and I didn't have a good answer. Like, he saw an eight or something like that. You know, that, that would be more fitting. Or uh, He was always looking for a bad joke, and he never delivered it well. But... Uh, what do I really want? 
You know, what would be written on my tombstone? What could I say of my life by standing on one leg? What would I want my memory to be? What would my story be? And it was a conversation with a dear friend of mine this week that triggered it for me. And it was just like, why? Well, that's it. You know, when you're young in ministry and you're trying to, you know, figure some things out and encourage people and challenge and create vision, I was, I was reading in a book, uh, and I forget what book it was even at this point, uh, but it was a quote of St. John of the Cross, and he said, mission is this, to put love where love is not. And I think that what I would like written on my tombstone, if I were standing on one leg and you had to sum up my life, you would say, Jordan, put love where love is not. There was hurt, and Jordan loved them. I was hurting, and he spent time with me. I didn't have, and he cared about me. What do you want said of your life? will they say that your priority was? Please don't let this be just another sermon series, one that goes in and out, and I know how most of them go. I've preached a few of them now. Could this be a memorable one? One where you remember back and say, you know, this is when I got the priority of God for the first time in my life. Or maybe this is where I got the priority of God reminded to me like I did that decision 20 years prior but that my life would be about Jesus that my life would be about there being one Lord who is Savior of us all that he is what my heart beats for and what my eyes are fixed on and what my strength is given to and what my resources are given to that God would be the priority of my life and let everything flow from there. Karl Barth, uh, the famous theologian, wrote Church Dogmatics. Who read it? All 9,000 pages. Anybody? I did not either. I lied about it, but, you know, no, I didn't. It was never required reading. I'm kidding. He was asked to sum up all that he wrote. What, what's the one thing? And they didn't present it, hey, Carl, stand on one leg and tell us what you wrote. But essentially the question was presented that way. What is it that we should know from everything that you wrote? What's the thing? What's the one thing? And he said this, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Friends, you may not be able to tell me the intricacies of all of this, and you may not be able to uh, have it all figured out. But would you know this one truth? Jesus loves you. He's poured his life out for you. And that is for you. And I want to invite you. Invite you to living towards something much bigger than yourself. And realizing that there are people who don't know that simple, central truth. That there is one Lord, and he's deserving of all of our love. 
and he's the reason why we love in this world. I wanted to close with an encouragement from Paul. And the encouragement is one that we've read, I'm sure, time and time again. But it's this idea of there being one thing that matters the most. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And he's writing this to Ephesus, and he's writing it to you. Live a life worthy of your calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He says there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He's given us these gifts that we would build one another up. That we would be one. The way we become one is by living for only one. Let us be unified in our love for our Lord Jesus Christ. There is one God. There's one God and Father over all and through all and in all. And his name is Jesus Christ. Would you make him the priority of your life? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rescuing us through your son, Jesus Christ. And may our focus be on you. God, there is so much competition for our love, so much competition for our attention, our resources. God, we have divided ourselves out so that all that's left is just this little bit for you. God, may our love for you expand well beyond one hour once a week. May there be an outpouring of love for you in every moment of every day. God, that as we interact with our family, as we interact and engage in work and all that we do, God, may every aspect of our life be a moment to love you. By loving our co-workers, by loving our enemies, by loving those that frustrate us to no end, may our love pour out for you and how we love each other and in how we love each other, may you be glorified and praised. God, we want you to be the most excellent and praiseworthy and lifted up and honored in our life. May nothing else compete with you. And so search our hearts, God, now. Know all that's competing. God, the man who asked the question of you of what's most important, he said that he gets it that it makes sense, and it makes sense to us, God. We get it today. 
and Jesus' words, may they resonate with us today in this moment. Lord, that when we get that and when we exercise it, when we draw near to you, God, in this, Lord, that we are close to the kingdom of God. That we are close to your heart and your will and your desires for creation. So let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And may we desire what you desire and seek what you seek and care about what you care about and glorify you in all that we do as we seek you and seek first your kingdom above all else. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.